Hey, you guys, welcome to Have You Not Heard. Thank you for joining me again. Today, you have a treat. We're going to talk to Georgia Clark, who is from Clark County, Georgia. Isn't that a funny thing? And she is a friend of mine from church. Uh, She has now moved to Nashville. I got to know her through her dad, who was also involved in our church. And she's got a story to tell about her healing and traumas that she's been through. She is now a successful um, interior designer in Nashville, Tennessee, and she's an accomplished woman of God already at her, what I would say, young age, because I can say that (laughs) at my age, but she is wise beyond her years. So thank you, Georgia, for joining us. Thank you, guys. This is a real honor for me. Oh, well, tell us a little bit about you. Um, give um, our audience a little bit of background. Yeah, well, we'll start young. I'm the youngest of four. Um, I was born in the church. My parents had met being campus ministers. And so we changed churches quite a bit when we were young. Um, but at the same time, we were always a very grounded Christian family, um, a little, little strict on the strict side, but my parents were phenomenal parents and I had amazing brothers and sisters. So, uh, a very idyllic childhood. Mm. And then when I was in seventh grade, my parents separated, um, at the time that felt like big T trauma, as mm-hmm. you say, right. Um, they, I remember crying at the seventh grade lunch table. Um, which you'll see as kind of a theme in my life is I'll cry in a public place. No problem. There you go. (laughs) But um, I, you know, later on in my life, I'll kind of look back at the divorce and the separation as, as actually really more little T trauma. Mm. Um, Because when I was 13, my brother had a brain injury. He was in the hospital for four months recovering and then a rehab facility for another four months. And then after those eight months was home. Um, I don't want to go into too much of what would be his testimony, but needless to say, it was a really, really long recovery, not just for him, but for our family. Um, it's really hard to wake up one day with a brother and then, you know, because of an illness, it, it really changes our whole family dynamic. So we were all really angry and, and hurt and mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of grief in that. And that was real big T trauma. Um mm-hmm. And through that, I really fell away from Christianity. I I was so young. I was 13. And I didn't really understand why bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. And it really, it took a long time to come back. My dad actually, um, he had taken a job in Texas. And when he returned, I was 17. So there was a couple years of gap and of, you know, telling people I was an atheist. And um and then when he came back, he started bringing me to church, which is where I met you and your family. Mm-hmm. And I was born again at 18. So I was baptized on my 18th birthday. It was such a celebration. And I, I mean, falling in love with the Lord in a way that you just can't kind of when you're young, mm-hmm. or, or at least I couldn't when I was young. I, I mean, it was such a special time, but that kind of led right into... Uh, I was a freshman in college, second semester. I got a call one night that my dad had a heart attack. And yeah. um, I, you know, he said, don't come to the hospital. I'm fine. We talked that night, told him I loved him. And then by the next morning, he'd had a, another heart attack. And 
um, what ended up being like a month long struggle after that, but he, he passed away when I was, I was 18 as well. So it, it kind of happened right back to back the getting saved and then losing my dad. Wow. So by the tender age of 18, you had already experienced three big traumas in your life. Wow. Yes, it was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. And so do you want to tell us more about your dad's passing? Because that sounds like a really pivotal mark in your story. Yeah, it was. I mean, he... Oh my goodness, you knew him, but he was yeah. the warmest, kindest, like man in the world. I think to this day, I, I kind of look at him and his model that he left as the thing that most cl- clearly resembled God in my life. Mm. Um, he was a constant offering of unconditional love, which is really hard for humans to do. But when mm-hmm. I was little, he would say to all of us, he would say, do you know what I like about you? everything and that was something that was repeated over and over and over again in our childhoods and he um he was the warm epicenter of our of our childhood and of my life for sure he he told stories about a princess named Drusilla whose day always was exactly like mine Mm. um he was the man who brought me a stuffed leopard I named it Fleppard and I carried it around for my entire childhood how cute (laughs) Yes. And he read to my siblings and I every night before we went to bed, he Mm. would carry you in the house, even if he knew you were pretending to go to sleep. Mm. Um, He was just the warm, gooey center of my childhood. And then now looking back, his model, I mean, I base a lot of my decisions about how he lived. Mm -hmm. Like I I try and be like him. He was an amazing friend, an amazing parent, Mm -hmm. um, an amazing man of God. He, he was kind of an associate pastor and we always joke that like whenever you'd ask him a question he'd say well there's an answer to that and it comes in 10 parts so <laughs> wow. take a while yeah there's gonna be bible verses there's gonna be takeaways uh-huh. <laughs> you might want to get out a notepad <laughs> but yeah he he was an amazing person and to lose him so suddenly or not so suddenly I mean it was it was a month of slowly I mean he never he was on a ventilator for the rest of the time in the hospital. So you never, I never really got to say goodbye in that Mm. way, but slowly has other organs failed and it was so hard and it brought out so much sadness and hurt from things that I hadn't even healed from before. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was really hard. Right. And the loss of all of that is so difficult. And then well, like I've talked about in other podcasts about trauma, to have past traumas, then the current one of losing your father at such a tender age, how did those past traumas affect the, that current of going through losing your dad? All the ways. <laughs> uh-huh. right. Yeah. You know, when I was 13, I didn't have a relationship with Christ mm-hmm. and living in a really tough and hurtful and, and just really unhealthy for reasons out of our own control, even mm-hmm. uh, atmosphere. I was constantly trying to hold on to control. Like I, I, I really, there was no telling what was going to happen outside my door. So mm-hmm. I just needed to control what was going on in my body. And, and so I, I just had a lot of self harmful activities cause I, I couldn't go to Jesus mm-hmm. and I couldn't really go quote unquote, to like a normal, healthy family. And I, you know, there was no church body to go to. So 
all I really had was myself and we live in a broken world. We live in a world where if we're trying to control everything, it's going to be a fruitless effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we have to learn that the hard way a little bit, but I, you know, it was really hard and I had these tools in a toolbox that were just not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so then as an 18 year old losing her dad, I had Christ living within me. And so I still had those control issues. They're still in my toolbox, but I'm realizing every time I pick them up that they're either not biblical and I need to put them down immediately, or I'm using it and realizing that this isn't the way God wants me to live my life. Mm-hmm. So those self-harmful activities, it's not that the, the, it's not that they moved on completely. It's just that I was able to realize a little bit faster that God doesn't want me to live my life like this. God wants us to live in a world of love and, and healing and, and he really does. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of reckon that with hard moments, but I mean, one of the best examples of this is when I, when my dad passed away, I set an alarm on my phone for four Oh six, which is the exact time that he passed away to mm. go off every single day. And mm. within like a couple weeks, I was like, yeah, I think this isn't the way God wants me to live. My life. There you go. So the yeah. setting, so what I'm hearing is you had the experience of going through a trauma without God because mm-hmm. at that point you didn't have a relationship and weren't sure about him. And then you have this experience going through a trauma with God and you're seeing the difference. It's not that you don't go through the trauma because we have to go through it no yeah. matter what, but it's that you had this base of love, of hope, of some kind of um uh, maybe boundaries or structure that let you know what was helpful, what wasn't. And of course the Holy spirit in you that would is the great counselor that gave you those ideas, right? Uh, maybe you don't have to do this, right? What was that about for you? Um, when you did that, when you felt led, you know, what was that control trying to tell you? Um, yeah, it was, it was this lie that, if I wasn't grieving him or if I wasn't purposefully grieving him mm-hmm. and really feeling that intense sadness and hurt and, and just grief, it would mean I was either forgiving him or his death wasn't as meaningful or I, you know, it was just going to not as matter as much to me if the day, if I'm not like just not functioning well. And so it, it really was a method of control because I was trying to force myself to grieve him more fully and, not even more fully, but every minute of every day. Wow. Yes. So I like how you said it it was a lie you were buying into. Um, And a lot of people don't understand that process. So we go through grief and and God's got a healthy way to help us go through grief. And then there's the world and the enemy of our soul that will come and try to tell us, oh, no, it should be this way or it should be that way. Right? Yeah. 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 And I, I'm, I'm glad you say that because a lot of people struggle with that. I think we, we constantly, where we run into problems with grief, or at least where I've run into problems with grief is we're trying to control a world that can't be controlled. And so death is this horrible, unavoidable consequence of being human. And mm-hmm. we don't understand it. We've never, you know, or at least at 18, I had never experienced it. And I had never really seen it lived out in a way that made sense to me as an 18 year old. I mean, my sure. mom, my mom had lost her dad only a year before I lost mine. 
Mm-hmm. And so she was 50 something and grieving a life that was well lived and full. Right. And I'm not. I'm grieving a life that's been cut short. And I'm so young and I didn't ever get to experience what it was to have a father when I was an adult, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's a great distinction because I too lost my father, but I wasn't well in my fifties. And I do, I, I had, I, the way I say it is I had enough of my dad here on earth to last until I see him in heaven. But when you're so young and all the things that you'll miss with him, you are missing with him and you know, it just impacts you in a whole different way. And you're still figuring out who you are as a woman and dads are really important in that process. And there's so many layers of loss for you. There's a particular pain about death. And I think it's because God never intended it for it to happen, right? That came out of our sin and um, the fallenness of the world. But um, that pain is tough. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, another, another lie that we buy into though, is that our pain is somehow worse than somebody else's. Mm, You know, mm -hmm. I, I remember comparing my life to my siblings, which was like, you know, a direct comparison. They had the same father and I was still so mad at them because I was like, they're not grieving the way I am. Uh huh. Or they got these experiences that I didn't. Or, you know, there, it just, it felt really hard. And it's, it was baseless at the end of the day because every human is different and we can't control how they grieve either. But you know, everyone's going to go through a hard time. Everybody Mm -hmm. is going to get handed horrible things in their life that aren't fair because we live in a fallen world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter, no matter how angry you are, eventually you get to a point where you're like, well, they're going to go through their own hard things. And I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't be mad at them for experiencing it the way that they're going to. Well, again, that's the grace of God in you that you could come to that place and you didn't get stuck in that anger. A lot of people do. They get stuck in the anger and the bitterness and the unfair part. And that just will exacerbate the wound of the trauma or grief. And, you know, we see that today, right? In our world and what's going on, um, how people are handling it so differently. And, and there's that, that temptation to compare mm-hmm. and to contrast. So that's a beautiful reflection. Um, what else have you learned through your healing process and how, how did it go for you? Well, not, not super well. I mean, <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's no, always I, messy in the beginning for sure. Right. I remember crying an awful lot. I remember I had never had nightmares before and I said I had nightmares. I remember mm-hmm. again, I cried a lot in public. I remember crying on public transportation and being like, no, I need to slow this down. There are a lot of other people around me, but, um, it was, it was really messy. And I, one of the things that got told to me over and over and over again is that you know, it gets better. And I was like, I don't want it to get better. Mm, <laughs> I want talk my about that. Yeah. yeah. I want my dad back. I, I really, mm. I wanted to wallow a little bit or mm-hmm. a lot of it. And I, I wanted to not be swimming in grief again, especially it felt so soon after everything else. And I felt like I'd already been tapped out of my, my quote unquote portion of grief. Right. I, I wanted to have an, a happy adulthood. I think after mm-hmm. a really sad, unhappy childhood or that, mm-hmm. and um, it was, it was a lesson for me to learn that I don't feel like God, 
talked about very often. So I want people to hear that it's missing doesn't go away. Even if grief goes away, grief is grief is what's making me cry on a bus. <laughs> grief mm-hmm. is what's making me mad at my family and, and getting out of bed is, is almost impossible. And grief is, you know, the constant feeling that that person's gone, that person's gone. And there's a hole in my life. The hole mm-hmm. in my life is still true. Yes. It's feeling that goes away and missing. I still car- cry in my car sometimes, but no longer mm-hmm. on bus. <laughs> I still, <laughs> I still miss my dad. I still, I still talk about him a lot and, you know, try and share bits of his legacy with as many people as I can, because I miss the man that he was and I miss his impact on my life. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that healing process of going from grief to just missing is talking with family, talking with friends, talking with a counselor. I was lucky enough in some way to lose my dad in college where there was free health, you know, free, free mental health care available. And so I saw a counselor. Right. Talked about him, uh, you know, all the time and kind of also in the same moments where I thought I was going to talk about pop, I was able to start unpacking some of the other stuff from my other traumas and so important. And another one that like I can't overstate is I was a Christian and I had a church body behind me and mm. I had you and your husband and, and y'all, I mean, it is, it is so important to say that like at a church, there are so many tools and resources and people rooting for you that even if you're not a Christian and you're going through grief, try going to a church. There is, there is a world of resources and comfort available to you in a church. And what I'll say um, on my end is truly my husband and I didn't do much, but that's testimony to how little things can go a long way. And I think on the other side, so I'm sitting on the other side of you going through the trauma, you grieving, what I'll say to somebody in my position is that little things do go a long way. Just a listening ear, a hug. Um, being able to cry on your shoulder, you know, um, just simple things. Because I think a lot of times in the face of trauma and grief, we get paralyzed also, the people trying Mm -hmm. to help or that care. So thank you for saying that. And when you're talking about the church body, then you've got more than one person, more than, you know, because your family's great, but then there's certain things you don't want to, you know, burden your family about, so to speak, at, at times, because they're also grieving, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was, I was lucky that I had this church body that my, none of my siblings really, I mean, you guys, my siblings all love you, of course, but y- the church I met you guys through was my church and my dad's mm-hmm. church. And so I had these relationships with people that I was like, when I would need a dad hug, I remember going to your husband. I remember going mm-hmm. to our pastor. And it was so special to me. And I can't overstate that, you know, just being there with a, a corporate worship situation, it, it changed the way I could grieve. It allowed me to miss without grieving. And mm-hmm. I mean, even just we're we're singing songs and we're singing it as well. And I'm like, oh, it, oh, okay, it is well. I've got this community of people behind me and they also have experienced grief. You know, I think that was something is I was very lucky to have a church body when I was going through things at 18 because I didn't have it when I was 13. And I I recognized the blessing that it was Mm -hmm. a little more clearly. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. Again, wisdom beyond your years. And the beauty with your personal story is we also knew your dad. So that was a, a bond also that we yeah. could share and that helped. So, but the, the, the point I'm hearing for the larger uh, whole, as people are listening, is community is essential. A Christian community is even more essential because of that tapping into the unconditional love and the power of the Holy Spirit to heal that the world doesn't have, um, but we do have through Christ, and it makes a difference. I, I would want, wonder if you could speak to, A, the times we're in, because church isn't looking normal right now, oh, yeah. and B, because you're mid-20s, um, a lot of people, peers, your peers, have fallen away from church and, and feel it's hypocritical it's not authentic. You know, I hear a lot of different reasons why um, I call you kids. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Fallen fall away. So can you speak to those two things? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first thing, you can always call me a kid. I'm at that age now where I'm like, yes, keep <laughs> calling me a kid. Right. <laughs> you are mature enough that it's not a <laughs> no, I'm like, okay, useful, good. please. Um, yes. But as far as like the church goes, I'm very lucky now, both when I go home to Atlanta and Athens, I have a church that I go to that's, you know, reminds me of home. But now as an adult, mm -hmm. I also have a great church here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And one thing that it took me, I'll just say, is that it took me a long time to find these churches. It took me a long time to find healthy churches. Right. And it took me a long time to find churches that were actually based in the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, it's especially the New Testament, there is so much healing and kindness and non-hypocritical love available to us mm. at all points mm -hmm. and sometimes churches get caught up in you know legalism and trying to to make you be this person in order to deserve that love and the gospel says that's just not true we are mm -hmm. we are broken and sinful and god loves us regardless and mm -hmm. you know try different churches before committing. I've even made that sin. <laughs> I committed to a church and was like, oh no, never mind. Sorry. Whoopsies. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a little too much about what you guys actually believe. And I was like, oh, I got to go. But um, yeah. there is a lot of hurt and church does look different these days. Um, one thing that I'll say that my dad really modeled out and I'm lucky to experience is getting involved in a small group or a Bible study or a ministry of some sort serving. There's something about the way we corporately worship. That's really important. I'll, I'll never understate that, but you need to have people that you know and who know you in a church. And so if you're going to this mega church, find a small niche that you fit in. And a lot of them are still meeting um, either, you know, virtually through COVID-19 or, or, you know, my family, my church family, we're actually doing like a home church. We sit out in a backyard, socially distant, and mm -hmm. we watch sermons together on Sundays and we get together every Thursday night. And mm -hmm. there is something about having people who know you and who have seen your walk and have seen you grow. And they will, you know, you know, Paul talks about, you know, having people that have the power of keeping you accountable but who also yes. love you and it yes. you find those in small doses. And so I think if people are having a really hard time 
a finding a healthy church or or b finding a church that meets their needs in this moment because there is a lot of trauma floating around I mean people are losing loved ones and people are dealing with fear and uncertainty and but you know we're not wired to live that way we're wired to live in in faith and in harmony with one another and the political atmosphere right now is not showing that (laughs) that is traumatic in itself yeah and so find a church that aligns with your beliefs and Mm-hmm. Get involved with that church. Find friends and family inside that church body. Mm-hmm. So what I hear, the the golden thread throughout your story is relationship. Oh, yeah. And started with your dad and your mom. And but since we're honoring your dad today, that story, you know, the impact of his life on you and the model of Christ in him that impacted you even in the dark days even in your wandering was still part of that story and then the grace of God that led you back into a personal relationship with God and that's what's different about Christianity than other religions is is we have a personal relationship with God and the anchor of that before that traumatic loss of your dad and now the community of church that you have here and in Nashville is just, that's a beautiful thread to look at through your story. Yeah. It's important to note that my dad left me that legacy and Mm -hmm. some dads don't and that's okay. God is your dad (laughs) and God is a God of relationship. And you know, there's a beautiful, there's, something you know how god is a god of atonement they talk about that a couple times in the new testament and atonement literally means becoming one it's it's at one mint you know we're we're Mm. god is constantly by the gospel removing the barrier between you and him you know your Mm -hmm. sins are paid for you are now precious in his sight and we are built to be relational and even I mean, now as an adult, I'm way more introverted than I ever was, but I can still mm-hmm. see that that is true. We need good and loving relationships in our life to be healthy and, and to feel at one with God. Right. Period. But then, especially when we're walking through traumas and grief, yes. it's a- a- extra, extra yeah. Can I say extra important? I is that think a word? the grammar gods will smile <laughs> positively on that. Thank you. Thank you. The other thing I want to say that I heard you uh, talk about that is so important, and I want to reiterate it, is that everybody's fallen. Everybody's a sinner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have messy churches. Some are healthier than others. Some are more biblically sound than others. So it's important to weed through all of that as you go on your search for community and community will find you if you look for it. Like, um, it's a, it's an odd story, but a lot of my friends now as an adult have dealt with loss, you know, parents or siblings Mm -hmm. or something like that. And even my best friend who she, she was my roommate in college. She's not a Christian, but she's losing her mom, um, from cancer. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, I cannot overstate that like our relationship, 
is community in itself. You know, it found mm-hmm. us at different times. And she, I mean, she'd never, she was 18 when I was 18. She'd never dealt with anything like it. And I get to now walk with her through it at 25. And there's nothing perfect about it. You know, humans are messy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we get to be there for each other and as much as we can. And just, just showing up and, and trying to be there for each other is really important. And, and the community of people who have shared or similar traumas will find you. That's beautiful. And it talks about pain, purpose through your pain, yeah. that, God, that God takes the pain and will always make purpose out of it. Um, that is beautiful. Well, are there any other things we haven't covered that you would want to say to somebody dealing with trauma or loss today? Mm. Yeah. I mean, you just touched on the big one is that you, you are going to grow from your trauma and it's really hard to see that. Like it's, it's hard when I was 18, if somebody had said to me, this is going to be used, that would have been such a comfort because I, I didn't want it to get better, but I did want it to get used. Mm -hmm. I, you are going to, you need to keep your ears and eyes open to see God in this. And and it's really hard because it's, you're dealing with something terrible, but your trauma is going to be used to help others and to heal others, Mm -hmm. to comfort others. Mm -hmm. You know, God is going to redemptively use this for his purpose. Mm -hmm. He does not give you hard things so that you'll struggle. He gives you hard things so that you'll become the person you need to be in order for either the next hard thing to happen or so that you can walk with somebody through that same thing, hard, same hard thing. You know, Isaiah 14, 27 was one of those Bible verses that I held on to really hard because I was like, this is important. Nothing can stop the Lord's plan for your life. You know, at 18, I could not understand mm-hmm. losing my dad. At 13, I could not understand why my family was getting kind of torn apart from the inside out. But now Mm -hmm. at 25, I'm able to see if it hadn't been for 13, I could have never gotten through what I went through at 18. If it hadn't been for what happened at 18, I wouldn't be the woman I am today. I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be a godly woman. And Mm. I for sure wouldn't be in my career and interacting with all these people that I meet on a daily basis. I probably wouldn't even be in Nashville because I mean, my sister and I, I moved up here after my sister and that relationship really blossomed because of my dad. And I mean, Mm. a quick side story on how I became an interior designer in Nashville was I was in college thinking I was going to go for medicine. Clearly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) clearly didn't work out. But I remember being sitting in organic chemistry class and thinking my dad lived his life a life of love and a life of laughter and a life of friendship. And, and he did it because he was passionate about what he did as for a living. And I was like, I am not passionate about organic chemistry. There you <laughs> so go. I literally pulled up ad drop swap on my phone, dropped the class and then walked straight to my advisor's class. and was like class. And I did. I, I mean, I, because of the community I found in art, I was able to graduate and, and now it's my career. And there's so many moments that I look back and see the fork in the road and how God used something horrible to turn my life the way it needed to go. Like it was the rudder steering me into the path I needed to be on. Wow. Wow. 
And again, you can't see that in the moment, no. but in hindsight, you see the beauty of that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You just got to keep your eyes and ears open to see the good things. Cause it's easy to buy the lie that hard stuff is happening to you because God wants you to have a hard life, but it is mm. way more truthful that God does not do that. God, my dad used to say this, God has three answers. When you come to him with a prayer, he says, yes, not right now, or I have something better in mind. And it took years and years. I'm not discounting my journey through it and to this point, but it took me now to realize that God did have something better in mind. And that something better in mind for me is a life of purpose and a life of trying to live like my dad for the next, mm-hmm. gosh, I hope 70, 80 years, you know? And, and once I'm there, I also get the benefit of, of heaven and heaven with my dad and heaven with both my dads. You know, with mm. getting to experience, you know, things like a father-daughter dance. I'll, I'll get to experience that in heaven. I'll get to experience him holding my children in heaven. And and mm. God's not going to take those moments away from me, but he has put a pause button on them so that in this life, I can do as much for him as I can. Mm. Wow, Georgia. I, I have, I, I'm in oh, Well, I'm in awe of that wisdom and truth. And I think that's a great place to leave it. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. Wonder if you would mind closing us in prayer. Yeah. Thank you so much for Angel and for her community she's built and for the bravery to speak about hard things and for the kindness and the words she spoke about my dad. Thank you that you've given me, given me a life that is, Yes, filled with hard things, but be also filled with you. We live in a life where you are accessible to us at all points, all times. You've broken down the veil. You've you've crossed the river for us. And God, if people are hearing this and going through trauma, know that you are near. Know that you have come for us and you will never leave us. That hard things are temporary and you are permanent. Jesus, I pray that you comfort those who are in hard times. I pray that you comfort those who are recovering from hard times. And I pray that you are with me and with Angel and with all those who are listening forevermore. And that we can understand the truth of that more now than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Georgia, thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to share. And and let me tell you this as we close up. You are doing your father proud. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. It's time for me yeah. to cry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Well, you guys, thanks for joining in today. Wise, wise words from a young but old soul. I love what she said about the distinction between grief and missing the person, that they're two distinct things. Also, what Georgia said that was so poignant that didn't get said in the interview was grief is the elephant that sits on your chest and whispers that person's name all day even when you might be happy. So I know many of you are grieving now and if not maybe the pandemic and all the unrest in the world is stirring up old grief 
and old traumas. So again, I just reiterate that this is opportunity to heal. God truly, truly is the God who redeems um, and heals. And there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, He redeems the years the locusts have eaten. And that means not that the past can be redone or made different, but that good things, the purpose, the destiny that Georgia talked about can go forward no matter what. So hang tight, cling tight to hope, get help if you need it. I look forward to talking to you next week. This is Angel H. Davis signing off and God bless. Thank you.